0: As we begin our time tonight, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew 16, let's pick it up in verse 13 it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, of my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. i want to stop there for tonight. And I want to talk to you a continuing subject or theme we've been looking at over the last few weeks here on Sunday nights together. We've been talking about the subject of evangelism and the subject of discipleship and how those two Really go together in us fulfilling the great commission the Lord Jesus has given to us to go and to make disciples. And obviously as we're thinking about that, you think about evangelism, we're thinking about the salvation of sinners, you're thinking about discipleship. Uh, you're thinking about the, the growth of those of saints, of those who come become disciples of Jesus. They begin to grow in their faith, be strengthened in their faith. And we talked last week together about the different ways that we see that in the church and how we can relate that to the ministry of Jesus. And then in the ministry of Jesus, we saw how he discipled uh, the crowds at large just through his preaching and his teaching and his ministering to the people. Then we saw how he then discipled the, the twelve, that he would gather them together sometimes away from the crowds and begin to teach and talk to them about some things. And then he even got smaller at times where he had Peter, James, and John were the main three that would often be with him during certain situations. He would call them to go with him where he could teach them and also minister to them in a way that would help prepare all of these men at that time for the ministry he would have for them in the founding of the church. As we think about that, obviously we're, we're talking then about a desire here in our hearts and a desire, and when we're talking about making disciples, uh, we're talking about a desire for the see the church grow and for the church to be what God would, would call for it to be. And as we're thinking about that idea of the church, and we're thinking about the idea of the, the growing of the church, I want us to start tonight here in this passage in Matthew 16, though predominantly we're going to be over in the book of Acts, because it is in Acts, it's where the church actually starts. And Acts chapter 2 is the founding of the church on the day of Pentecost when Peter stands up filled by the Spirit of God and begins to proclaim the gospel to those that were there. And we see thousands getting saved and from there we see how the church grows. We see how it is built. But before we do that, fundamental to our understanding about the church and about the desire to see souls saved and seeing saints being strengthened and just the church itself growing. I want us to come back to this passage, because it is here that Jesus mentions the church. And he makes a very bold statement when he says in verse 18, that I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Telling us here, Jesus is saying to us that the founding of the church and the future of the church were settled. That it will survive, it will move forward. That even the gates of Hades will not be able to overpower it, though it may come against it at times. But as we think about that statement that Jesus makes there, I will build my church. How is it that Jesus says that the church is his? How is it that Jesus says that? That the church is my church. Well, understand, beloved, the reason why Jesus can say that is because Jesus bought the church. He bought the church with his blood. He bought the church with his sacrifice on the cross. And just to remind us of that, go over now for just a moment to the book of Acts and go to Acts chapter 20. And here in Acts chapter 20 where Paul is, is speaking to some, some elders, to the, the pastors of the church that are there at Ephesus. He's called them to himself because he's looking at his life and his ministry and he's realizing that most likely he's never going to see them again. And he's trying to encourage these men And over in Acts 20 and verse 28, he tells them, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he, that's talking about Jesus, purchased with his own blood. He bought the church. Look over for a moment, go over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Where Jesus is, or where Paul here is speaking about the relationship with a husband and a wife. And he says in verse 25 of Ephesians 5 Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. He laid down his life. Jesus can say that the church is my church. Because it is his church. He purchased the church. He bought the church with his blood, with his sacrifice, with his death on the cross. But also, as we think about that statement, Jesus says, I will build my church. So fundamental truth for us to always understand when we're thinking about the church. And obviously, Jesus here is talking about the universal church. He bought the church. But also, you can take comfort in what He says there when He says, I will build my church. Thus, Jesus is building His church. He is building it. He is building it in the sense of seeing souls saved, and He's building it in the sense of seeing those who are believers strengthened and growing in their faith. So the question we should ask then is, how does Jesus build the church? How is it that he builds it? And this is what we're going to talk about, not just tonight, but uh, over some upcoming Sunday nights. This idea here of how Jesus builds his church. And what I want us to see is we're going to walk through this and really looking mainly at the book of Acts. As I said, that's where the church starts. There in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1, we have the apostles that are there. Jesus spends at least 40 days with them. After his resurrection, he is teaching them more concerning the kingdom of God, trying to help them to understand what's going on, what has happened. Uh, Because again, their world has been rocked at this time. It has been shaken. And they don't fully still understand what's going on. Because they were expecting the kingdom to come at that moment, and it didn't. And now, not only that, Jesus is about to leave the scene. And he's about to leave and go back to heaven. So he spends about 40 days teaching them, talking with them more thoroughly concerning the kingdom of God. And he gives them a mission that... When you receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power to go out and be my witnesses to testify about me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just keep going out, making disciples, proclaiming the gospel, seeing people saved, and seeing them strengthened in their faith. And he said to wait. And so they're waiting. And in Acts chapter 2, they're still waiting. And they're praying. And they're seeking the Lord. And then the Spirit of God comes upon them in a mighty way. And when he comes upon them in a mighty way, Peter, in the midst of all of what was going on, stands up and begins to preach Jesus to the crowd that was there because of the events that happened there where the, the tongues of fire and the things that it says happened when the Spirit of God came upon them like a mighty rushing wind. But this caused a, a commotion and crowds are coming around and they're amazed because somehow these uneducated men from Galilee primarily that are there or somehow even to speak in these known foreign languages that had never been known to them before there's a crowd of people there from all over and they're hearing these men speak the them in a language that they know and they understand, though these men had never been trained in this language because this was the the Spirit of God who had come upon them to do this. And so it draws this crowd, and in the midst of all of this, Peter stands up and begins to preach Jesus to them. And when he preaches Jesus to them, we see thousands come to know Christ. Thousands repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ. And this is the beginning of the church. And so Jesus, we see how he's beginning to build the church by and through the Spirit of God. And from there, when you read through the book of Acts, you see how the church begins to grow. And it begins to expand. And it begins to deepen They begin to to not only grow numerically, but they begin to grow spiritually in their understanding of the gospel, their understanding of the things that God was doing, and they're being strengthened daily. They're being strengthened through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. But what are some of the ways in which Jesus, by the Spirit of God, was building His church? How, How did He bring this about? Well, Let me just give you uh, six ways in which he did this, in which we see this unfolding. You see the church being built by Christ. And we're going to talk primarily about two of them tonight, but let me just give you the six. Jesus, or God, was building his church through the possession of faith, that is through professions of faith. He also was building his church through the providence of God, by the providence of God. Thirdly, we're going to see that God was building his church by the power of God, the power of God in the lives of the people that had been saved. Fourthly, we're going to see he built the church And we saw the church grow not only in how many people were there, but also in depth in their understanding of the gospel and their strengthening in their faith also by persecution, through the persecution of the church. And then fifthly, we're going to see that the church grew also through the purity in the church, the purifying of the church. And then sixthly, we're going to see that the church was able to grow because of the problem-solving in the church. And this is what we'll see as we begin to walk through uh, the book of Acts together. But as we even think about that, we're still, if you can go back for a moment, and go back again to the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew 16 if you happen to have moved over to the book of Acts. Because again, here's where Jesus is telling us the first way of what the church is, how the church is going to be built. That the church is going to be built on a right understanding, a right confession, a right profession, true possession of faith. This is what he's telling them with Peter that is here. When you look again, when he asks them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to them, I also say to you, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. Upon this understanding, this confession, this profession of faith, of understanding who I am and ultimately understanding what it is I came here to do to give my life on the cross. This is how Jesus was going to build his church through the professions of faith, possessions of faith. Well, that's what we see in the book of Acts. Go over to Acts chapter 2 now for a moment. In Acts chapter 2, we see that on the day of Pentecost, as Peter's preaching in verse 37, the people are pierced to their heart and they're crying out, What shall we do? And Peter calls on them, Repent! Repent! He just got through preaching Jesus to them, who Jesus is, what happened to Jesus, what was going on here. And notice how the church started and how it was founded. Because it says in verse 41, So then those who had received His word The people who had received it, and that idea they are receiving it, means they welcomed it with open arms. They embraced all of what Peter had to say. Which is an amazing statement when you think about that he's speaking to the men of Judea and all who were there in Jerusalem and all the things that had transpired. And he talked to them about Jesus and who Jesus was and his death and his resurrection and how this tied in with the Old Testament. And they hear, hear all this and they receive what he had to say. And that's how the church was founded. That's how the church started and that's how the church grew there on that day by thousands because people were converted, people were putting their faith in Christ, receiving the word. But this is the way the Lord works. And as we go through, you can keep on going, go over to the to chapter 4 of Acts for a moment in Acts chapter 3 Peter has an opportunity to speak to a crowd again and he speaks to this crowd and before they could lay hands on him in the first 3 verses of chapter 4 he's been able to speak enough of the gospel to them and in verse 4 from many of those who had heard the message believed they believed what he had to say they believed what they had to say about Jesus, what He had to say about them. And beloved, you just think about what He said. He told them directly, "You disown the holy and righteous one. You asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You put to death the Messiah. you put to death the Savior." And God raised him from the dead. And God's calling on you to repent, return, so that your sins, in verse 19, may be wiped away. And so they heard all of what Peter had to say. And that day, many of those who heard the message believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Which meant, most likely, it was double that. That here it is now, just in so many days apart, that thousands have come to know Christ and to believe upon Christ. And so we see that how God was growing the church was through these possessions of faith, these true possessions of faith, putting their faith in Christ. You keep moving forward in the book of Acts and this is what you see when it gives a summary of them over at the end of chapter 4 in verse 32 and the congregation of those who believed it is made up of those who believed those who had put their faith in Christ those who had heard the gospel and believed it and received it and welcomed it and embraced it beloved this is how we see the lord growing his church we, know, we talk often about the different means, the method, the preaching of the gospel, the means of the, the spirit of God and the, and the scriptures of God. And we see this is what Peter was using being filled with the spirit and speaking the gospel to them and using the word of God to proclaim to them. But through that, we see the Lord was growing the church through these professions of faith in Christ. And beloved, that is the way the Lord grows the church through these possessions, these professions of faith, because as these folks were hearing the gospel, they were now accountable to God. They were now responsible to to hear it and to respond to it, to give their heart to Christ, surrendering to Christ, trusting Christ, putting their faith in Christ. They had to embrace the message. And beloved, that is the way that the Lord does it today. Today. This is how he grows his church. As we go out and proclaim the gospel, whether we do it here from this pulpit or we do it out amongst those we know and love and those who are our friends and those who are around us, whatever the, the, the different circumstances, as we proclaim the gospel to them, as we preach the gospel to them, as we share the gospel with them, as they put their faith in Christ, this is how God is growing his church through every profession, genuine profession of faith in Christ. But we want to be faithful in doing that, knowing that, as we know from the Word of God, that how will people call upon the name of the Lord? How will they put their profession of faith in Christ unless someone goes to tell them, unless someone shares the gospel with them? That is our responsibility That is the privilege the Lord has given us of why He has left us here to continue to do that, knowing that as we do that, through the professions of faith, the true professions of faith, the Lord will be growing His church. But let's look also at the second way the Lord grew His church. And here's that balance that we often talk about. And it was through also the providence of God through the providence of the sovereignty of God, that God was growing His church. And we bring this back to our attention to understand this because, again, it's just a reminder to us that, that, that the church was growing at the pace in which God was growing it. It grew at the pace that God was growing it. He grew it by thousands there on the day of Pentecost. He grew it by thousands again some days later there in Acts chapter 4. You're going to read even a little further and you're going to see he's growing it by multitudes at times where men and women are both putting their faith in Christ. And you're going to see also though at times they're going to come into communities when you read about the life of the Apostle Paul and he goes into areas preaching the gospel and sometimes it didn't grow that quickly. In fact, it's interesting once you really get past those two passages of Acts 2 and Acts 4 we don't really see it on other occasions again where we see thousands coming to Christ at one time like that. But the the word of God's going forward and God, here's Jesus building his church. He's building it by those true professions of faith, but he's also building it by the providence of God. God. If you go back even to Matthew 16, we were just looking at a moment ago. Just remember what Jesus said to Peter. Here, here we see that, that idea of the, the responsibility of Peter and his, his confessing and professing Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus follows that up in verse 17 and says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It was by the providence of God that you have even come to understand this. God the Father revealed this to you. And you're professing it. That's where Jesus said the same things over in John 6 and 44 and 45. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And he will raise that one up on the last day. Everyone that comes to me, the Father has taught. They've learned. They've grown. This is the providence of God. And when I'm talking about the providence of God, beloved, in building the church, what I want you to see when we look in the book of Acts is this. The providence of God was growing the church in these three ways. Through the saving of people, through the sending out of people for the gospel, and through the strengthening of people, strengthening of the saints by the gospel and by the teaching of the word of God. As we look over in Acts chapter 2, what is it that Peter says to them? When he's speaking to them and he's telling them to repent, they have a responsibility to put their faith in Christ to turn from their sins. And he says, this is a promise. The promise of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of being forgiven of all your sins. And this promise is for you, is for your children, is for all who are for all. That is, as the gospel is going to spread as it spreads from where you are right here today, and it goes into the next generation of your children, and it goes even beyond you to out beyond the Jews, and it gets to those who are far off, the Gentiles. He says, this is a promise that is for you, but then he brings it back to the providence of God. It says, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Go out and proclaim it. This is a promise. Go out and proclaim it. That's why when you look down in verse 47, it says the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord was doing that. Look over, if you will, for a moment. We're talking about the the providence of God and the saving of souls and the saving of those of sinners by the gospel. Look, if you will, for a moment over in uh, Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, again, we see the providence of God. We'll come back to this in a moment, but as Peter, remember, is preaching to the household of Cornelius, they're sitting there listening to the message. And he tells them in verse 43 of him, talking about Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words. While he's still speaking, he's still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And they responded in true, saving faith. They put their faith in God. They put their faith in Christ. Go back, just go back to Acts chapter, go over to Acts chapter um, 14 for a moment. Acts chapter 14. When Paul and Barnabas come back to the church at Antioch that had sent them out, in verse 27 it says, When they arrived, they gathered the church together, and they began to report, and listen to what they're reporting. They're reporting all the things God had done. They understand that the success and everything that they were able to enjoy and the the fruit that they saw happen and they saw some amazing things happen. They saw a lot of people getting saved. They saw churches being developed. They saw strengthening of the saints. And he says, this is the things God had done with them and how he, God, had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. It is God. He understood this is all happening under the the providence of God. You could go over and look in Acts chapter 16 we see specifically with the woman of Lydia when Paul comes into the area of Philippi and he's preaching and teaching her and teaching those who are there it says in verse 14 that she was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul that's very similar to what you see there what Jesus said to Peter He says, who do you say I am? He says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus could say, Amen, Peter. That's right. But it wasn't flesh and blood who revealed that to you. It was my Father in heaven who revealed that to you. Or he could have said it the way Paul is saying it here. The Lord opened her heart or opened his heart to see this and to understand this. All under the providence of God. Now God was working... Moving, so these are ways we see the providence of God and the, the saving of souls, but also beloved, we can see the providence of God and the sending of people out for the gospel, the sending of people out for the gospel, which helped to see peop- more people coming to christ let 's start over in the in chapter eight of Acts, go to Acts chapter eight and the reason I bring this to your attention, remember. Here in Acts 8, for persecution comes against the church. And the church scatters. And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, chooses to pick out a man by the name of Philip in verse 5. And how Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And there he's proclaiming Christ to them. And he's proclaiming Christ to them and the, the area seems to embrace what it is he's saying and you see people putting their faith in Christ, people being baptized, men and women alike. This is all under the, the grace of God and his preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of that, if you look over in verse 39, when the, after verse 38, Philip as well as the eunuch, he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azatos, and as he passed through there, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. We see here, this is where God, by the Spirit of God, is wanting to see the gospel expanding, to see the church expanding, wanting to see people coming to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. So He here supernaturally, in some way, snatches Philip up and delivers him to another area. Here's God and His providence bringing this about. Or you can go back to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, where Peter comes to the house of Cornelius, where the gospel is now going to spread even further into the Gentiles. And remember in verse 19, when Peter was reflecting on the vision that he was seeing of these clean and unclean animals, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs, accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. See, the Spirit of God is providentially bringing this encounter about. It was the Spirit of God who had been dealing with the heart of Cornelius. And Cornelius sends these men over to Peter and it's the Spirit of God who's providentially working the heart of Peter about their need to spread the gospel beyond the Jews and to go out to the Gentiles. So the Spirit of God is providentially bringing this about, the sending of Peter to the house of Cornelius. That's why when you think about this event and you go over to to chapter 15, go to Acts chapter 15 for a moment. Peter understood what happened here after the fact. This is where they're having the debate, the council here at Jerusalem, because Paul and Barnabas were there at Antioch, and some some folks from Jerusalem came down and began to challenge the fact that a person was saved by faith alone in Christ alone. They were saying you needed to be circumcised, and and rightfully so. Paul and Barnabas stood up with great dissension and debate with them about this. And so they decided, we're going to go over to Jerusalem, and we're going to have this council and meet and talk about this. And as this is being discussed, it is Peter who stands up in verse 7. After much debate, and he says to them, brethren, you know, that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe Peter was saying look it was under the providence of God that God chose me through that spirit vision that God gave him to go and proclaim the gospel to those Gentile home of Cornelius so that they could hear the gospel and believe it This is how God is is growing the church Because remember, beloved, you think about it. When you go and read the book of Acts, what you see is these guys are slow on the draw. They won't get out. They won't go beyond the Jews. They won't even hardly get out of Jerusalem. And God is the one we're going to see. He's going to have to push them out. He's going to push them out through persecution. But we're seeing here, He's also pushing them out through providence and how He's bringing this about so the gospel can keep moving forward. Beloved, oftentimes I think what Peter is able to say that after the fact. And oftentimes you'll see in your own life, at times there are encounters you have with someone. That God brings somebody across your path. And as he does, it is a providential meeting that God is bringing about so that you can share the gospel with them. And they come to know Christ. And at the time you didn't know fully how all that came to be, but afterwards you can look back on that and say, Look, God, it was God who was working that out. I shouldn't even have been there that day. I shouldn't even have been at that place, but somehow I ended up there, and this person ended up there, and I was able to tell them about Jesus, and they came to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. We see how God providentially is growing the church or the sending out of people. We can see it even more. Go over to Acts chapter 13 for a moment. Go to Acts chapter 13. The sending out of people. We saw he sent out Philip. He sent out Peter. And here he's going to expand it even further. Because this is where the church really takes off. And it really explodes. And it explodes to the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And it is God who providentially set Paul apart to go and do this. In Acts chapter 13, we're here at Antioch. And it says in verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So this is the Holy Spirit that is speaking. And he says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You see, the Spirit of God speaks to the church of God and says, I want you to set apart for me these two men, Paul and Barnabas. I have a work for them to do. I've called them to this work and you need to set them apart. And they do that. And these two men go out and begin to proclaim the gospel. And when they do, they go from city to city and town to town. And there are just people getting saved as they do it. But it all started under the providence of God, whereby the Spirit of God providentially drew these men and had them through the church to be set apart to go out and proclaim the gospel. And look, the rest of the book of Acts pretty much is about Paul. I mean, the first part of the book of Acts is is about Peter. But then Peter goes off the scene. Paul gets saved, who is Saul at the time. And God's working with him about some things. And then at this point here in Acts chapter 13, this is a major event when the Spirit of God says, set apart for me this man. Because he has his hand on Paul, and as I say, Paul goes out, proclaims the gospel, comes back. Paul goes out, proclaims the gospel, comes back. Paul goes out, proclaims the gospel, comes back. And we just see this amazing development of souls being saved and saints being strengthened through the ministry of Paul how much the the church was built and grew through the ministry of Paul, but it all started under the, the providence of the Spirit of God setting him apart. Also, if you look at a specific event, go over to chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, remember how was it that Paul ended up in Philippi? He ended up there because of the providence of God and the Spirit of God. We're told in verse 6, this is Paul going about proclaiming the gospel that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And then they go on travel a little more and again, the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. They're, they're, they're trying to go in another direction, and the spirit of Jesus doesn't allow them to do it. And it doesn't tell us how he is, he does this, but that Jesus, I mean, the spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, is the one providentially controlling this and moving Paul where he wants Paul to be. And so he gave him a vision: Go to Macedonia. And they concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel to them and that's where they go and that's where he first finds Lydia and speaks to her. She gets saved, her household gets saved, then the jailer gets saved, his household gets saved and then they keep moving forward to Thessalonica and Corinth and they're just going about proclaiming the gospel. It was God who providentially worked all that out. So understand, beloved, this is how God is building his church, growing his church By his providence. In the saving of souls. By his providence. In the sending out of people for the gospel. But also, let me just say this. He's also demonstrating his providence in the growing of the church. Not just in the saving of souls, but even in the strengthening of the believers. You go back and you look in Acts chapter 9. We're told in verse 31 like a summary statement. Luke, every now and then, would stop and give these. In Acts 9, and verse 31, he says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. It was the Spirit of God that was providentially working the opportunity for them to Have some peace and to grow in grace, grow in knowledge, grow in comfort, being built up, being strengthened. It was the Spirit of God doing this. You look over for a moment, look over in Acts chapter 13 for just a moment, where he gives another summary statement, a shorter one there in verse 52. Acts 13, verse 52, and he says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God that was working, providentially giving them this joy, growing them. Well, beloved, what I want you to see as we think about the church and how God grows the church, that God was uh, providentially saving, sending, and strengthening his people. The church was growing because of God. Growing numerically and growing spiritually. And it grew at the pace and the size in that sense that that God was working for them. As they went about proclaiming the gospel. As they acted in obedience to what God was calling on them to do. You see, this is oftentimes missed. As the the church grows under the, the providence of God, yes... Peter and Paul and Barnabas and all those disciples, they were to respond to the call that God had given them. And they were to go out and to faithfully pray and faithfully proclaim the gospel. But they understood that as they did this, as we see Peter doing on the day of Pentecost, as we see Peter doing in the Gentile home of Cornelius, as we see it with Philip, as we see it with Paul, that they were praying, preaching, preaching, ministering the gospel. And God was providentially working. And here's why I want you to understand this. You can even go back and look in church history. You go back and look in church history and events like the the Second Great Awakening Where there was this mighty move of the Spirit of God. And in the mighty move of the Spirit of God, I mean, you saw saints that were confessing sin and growing in grace and growing in holiness and growing in purity. And you also saw just many and thousands of people coming to know Christ. But what's interesting is when you go back and you look at that, do you know what brought that about? The providence of God. You say, well, how do you say that? Because when you look at it, those churches, those preachers, those pastors, those people who made up those churches were doing the same things they had been doing for years. And the Spirit of God moved on them. They were praying, they were pastoring, they were preaching, they were living, they were loving, they were just doing what God called them to do. We can look at examples of that where men were used of God to see amazing things happen and people coming to Christ and then move to another area and preach the gospel for years and hardly see a soul coming to Christ. And then seeing many coming to Christ. By the way, I want us to see as we understand God's building of the church and again, We can take application of this for the local church, but just the church in in general, the universal church. Jesus has promised, I will build my church. And we see tonight that he builds it upon the true professions of faith. So if you want to be a part of the true church of God, the true church of Jesus Christ, then you need to put your faith in Christ. You need to confess your sins. You need to repent of your sins and put your trust in Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Because remember what we said. Jesus bought the church. So the only way you get to enter the church is on Jesus' terms. He bought it. He owns it. He sets the entrance exam. He sets the entrance to the church. There's only one way through and it's through Him. You put your faith in Him. Confessing your sins. Trusting Him. Trusting Him. But as you do that, and as we go about proclaiming the gospel, we also recognize the providence of God and how he grew the church and how he's growing his church. You say, so what should be my response to this? Well, obviously, if you need Christ, you need to, your response should be to put your faith in Christ. I would urge you, plead with you to do that this very moment this very time but for us as believers if we know that jesus is going to build his church through these professions of faith and he's going to build his church under the providence of god then our response should be that of prayer of truly calling out to god oh god send down your spirit Oh, we pray that you would bring a mighty move of the Spirit of God upon our lives as believers and upon lost souls here in this area in this community who are in need of Christ. And go out and proclaim the gospel knowing that that it's going to be built again on these true professions of faith and it's going to be built in the timing of the providence of God and just keep praying, keep going out, keep preaching the gospel, keep persevering, keep moving forward, keep on keeping on. And trust him. Be broken. Till we see souls coming to Christ. Till we see saints truly growing and being strengthened. We just keep doing what God's called us to do. Knowing how it is he builds his church. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer.